Welcome to episode 20 of Ohio 88, where I, your host, Heather Wright, will discuss one of the most notorious individuals from Defiance County, Ohio. For this episode, we will be discussing Judith Hockey. Oakwood, Ohio resident Judith Hockey was convicted of aggravated murder, insurance fraud, and four counts of endangering children in her 2013 trial, where the judge sentenced her to life in prison without parole. But Ohio's 3rd District Court of Appeals ruled in 2016 that she should receive a new trial because her conviction had been largely based on the young boy's testimony. That young boy was the son of the man who was murdered in cold blood in November of 2003. That young boy was 10 at the time, and also the individual who pulled the trigger. According to the Ohio History Central website, Defiance County, Ohio was established on March 4, 1845 after the Ohio government authorized its creation. The county was originally parts of Williams, Henry, and Paulding counties. Residents named the county after Fort Defiance, a fortification constructed by General Anthony Wayne's men prior to the Battle of Fallen Timbers in 1794. Fort Defiance was also important to defending Ohio from invasion by British soldiers and their native allies during the War of 1812. Defiance County is in northwestern Ohio. It is predominantly rural, with 1% of the county's 411 square miles consisting of urban areas. The county seat is Defiance, site of Fort Defiance. With a population of 16,465 people, Defiance was the county's largest community in 2000. The county averages 96 people per square mile. Most voters in Defiance County claim to be independents, yet in recent years they have supported the Republican Party candidates at the national level. The largest employers in Defiance County are manufacturing businesses, especially a General Motors powertrain assembly plant that hires 2,550 workers. In 2020, Defiance County, Ohio had a population of 38,000 people with a median age of 40 years old and a median household income of 62,110. The largest university in Defiance County, Ohio is Defiance College with 143 degrees awarded in 2020. Also in 2020, the median property value in Defiance County, Ohio was 125,100 and the home ownership rate was 77.5%. The 2019 crime rate in Defiance, Ohio was 136, which is two times smaller than the U.S. average. It was higher than 53.2% of U.S. cities, though. And in 2019, Defiance crime rate fell by 21% compared to 2018. So your chance of becoming a victim of a violent crime in Defiance is a 1 in 459 chance. 
Now, property crime is a different story. You have a 1 in 82 chance of becoming a victim of property crime in Defiance County, Ohio. To learn more about Defiance County, head on over to our Patreon page. Remember, you can listen to the entire episode on the Ohio 88 Patreon page for just a dollar a month. In this exclusive episode, I will discuss all things Defiance County with Kelsey. You will hear about the most beautiful places, the most interesting and famous people, fun things to do, cool places to visit, and my personal favorite, all things spooky and haunted in Defiance County. In addition to the full county episode, you will find bonus content and exclusive episodes that are released to Patreon supporters only. Not to mention, you will receive goodies and merch in the mail. So if that's something that interests you, then head on over to www.patreon.com slash Ohio88 and sign up today. Let's get into the case. On November 3rd, 2003, 10-year-old Corey called 911 to report that there had been an accident in which his father was shot in the head by Corey himself with a shotgun. When he called for help, he told the authorities that he had accidentally shot his father. At the time of the incident, Corey was at home alone with his father, who was sleeping as he worked evenings. His stepmother, Judith Hockey, was taking Corey's siblings to a relative's house at the time. When first responders arrived at the family home, they found 34-year-old Robert Braniger deceased from a single gunshot wound to the back of the head. Pronounced dead at the scene, Corey told first responders that he tried administering CPR on his father, but paramedics stated that the boy didn't have any blood on him. But according to NBC5 Chicago News, Another first responder recalled how inconsolable the child was. They remembered Corey saying, quote, it feels like it's my fault, end quote. At the time, the incident was ruled as an accidental shooting. It seemed as though everyone was moving on from this tragic event. That was until March of 2012, which was about eight and a half years later when Corey disclosed some very incriminating details to a former teacher, Lauren Beck. Corey told her that Judith Hockey, his stepmother, told him that his father was diagnosed with a brain tumor. She told Corey that his father wanted to be killed so that the family could have money. He also told his former teacher that Judith specifically told him where the gun was and that he needed to call 911 once he had finished the task. After this information came out, Corey was interviewed by investigators. He informed them that Judith had been beating him for years and even tried to kill him on several occasions. What's more, after Robert's death, Judith remarried and attempted to poison her new husband as well. When investigators started digging a bit more into the case, they discovered that Judith started the life insurance payout paperwork the day following Robert's shooting death. Investigators came to the conclusion that Judith Hockey used Corey to kill her husband, his father, in order to cash out on his $500,000 insurance payout. With these conclusions and the accusations from Corey, I'm sure that you may be wondering why it took him so long to come forward with the truth. But there's a reasonable explanation for that. By the time he came forward, Corey was no longer living in the family home with Judith and, in fact, was estranged from the entire family. He told investigators that he didn't speak up sooner as he was fearful that she would kill him. 
In March of 2013, one year after Corey reported everything to investigators, Judith Hockey was brought before a grand jury for indictment. Authorities alleged that for three to four years, Judith tortured and abused a child. The child was abused by her from age 7 to 10. During the investigation, friends and neighbors were questioned about their knowledge and perspective of Judith and Corey's relationship. Mixed accounts were given. For instance, one neighbor said that they rarely noticed Judith showing Corey any affection at all, but another neighbor stated that she was excited to adopt her husband's son. The grand jury handed down six charges in total, felony aggravated murder, four counts of endangering children, and insurance fraud over a collection of Robert Branniger's life insurance, nearly $500,000. In court, Corey testified against Judith and revealed that she manipulated him to shoot his own father and then forced him to lie about it. He testified against Judith, and in the end, he wasn't charged for the death of his father. According to the Daily Mail addressing Judith in the courtroom, Corey said, quote, The pain you have put me through should send you straight to hell. End quote. Also during the trial, Judith's daughter from another relationship testified, referencing a book entitled A Child Called It. This book shares the story of the author's experiences as an abused child. The defense attorney stated that there are many similarities with the abuse case and the claims made by Corey. Philip Esplin, the child psychologist, testified on Judith Hockey's behalf and went so far as to question whether or not Corey's memories were accurate as the events occurred more than a decade prior. This psychologist pointed to the fact that many of Corey's claims were akin to the storyline in the previously mentioned book, A Child Called It, stating that the book depicted the life of a boy who was mistreated almost as a slave by his mother where he was tortured and he was forced to suffer harsh treatment by her. Furthermore, Esplin noted that there were several similarities between the book and Corey's testimony, such as the boy being forced to eat feces and eat his meals from a dog bowl. Judith's daughter testified stating that she read this book when they were younger and witnessed Corey reading it in the sixth grade. Judith Hockey was convicted of all charges in 2013. The judge handed down a sentence of life in prison without the possibility of parole for aggravated murder, plus an additional 20 years for child endangerment and insurance fraud. The sentence was to run consecutively with the murder sentence. However, prior to hearing the sentence, Judith testified in her trial as well. She had a different series of events surrounding her husband's murder, though. She said that Corey shot and killed his father out of anger. Judith and Robert had made the joint decision to send Corey to military school, but Corey had other plans. Judith was quoted as saying, quote, He made up the whole story. I will be back for another time because I did not do this. End quote. The Daily Mail reported that she also was quoted as saying, quote, He, Corey, shot his father purposely and made up this whole story. End quote. Reports also indicated that throughout the trial and thereafter, Judith has shown no remorse and continues to deny any responsibility. After Judith Hockey was sentenced, the Daily Mail reported that Corey said he felt relief after the judge handed down her sentence. He said, quote, 
I feel like she got what she deserved. I was ready to get it off of my chest. I was bearing that burden for so many years, end quote. He shared that he now feels that he can get on with his life, saying, quote, I can stop living in the shadows. I don't have to worry about anything now. My biggest fear? She's gone. End quote. Fast forward a few years, 2016 to be exact, and Judith Hockey appealed her sentence. The appeals court judge found that Judge Schmenk erred in allowing hearsay testimony from a former teacher of Corey's. The appeals judge stated that the three witnesses should not have been allowed to testify as they were hearsay witnesses. As previously stated, the three witnesses in the trial were a former teacher of Corey's, a child abuse pediatrician, and a clinical psychologist. The teacher, Lauren Beck, testified that she was Corey's teacher when he was seven years old and had observed what she thought could be signs of abuse at the time, but she didn't report them to the police which is kind of frustrating and concerning as teachers are considered mandatory reporters, and therefore they are supposed to report any signs of abuse to the authorities. Ten years later, Corey recognized Lauren at a local sporting event and confided in her that he was abused by Judith and even forced to shoot his own father. Again, at the time, Lauren didn't report these allegations to police. The appeals court judge, Judge Willimowski, ruled the length of time and the lack of reliability of Corey's statement to Beck made it a mistake for the trial court to allow Beck to relay what Corey had told her. The child abuse pediatrician, Dr. Barbara Knox, was brought into the case prior to the first trial by the prosecution. Before the trial even began, though, Judith's defense attorneys attempted to exclude the evidence of Dr. Barbara Knox, arguing that her testimony included the conclusion that Corey was the victim of child torture, which wasn't supported scientifically or medically under the standards set by the U.S. Supreme Court in its 1993 Daubert v. Merrill Dow Pharmaceuticals, Inc. decision. Dr. Knox said that Corey told her that Judith forced him to eat his own feces as well as dog feces. She also reportedly isolated him for hours at a time and even threatened to kill him if he didn't shoot and kill his own father. Dr. Knox testified that Corey was in fact the victim of child torture, which she described as an extreme form of child abuse that includes multiple types of physical and psychological abuse and neglect. On cross-examination, Dr. Knox acknowledged that there was no scientifically accepted definition of child torture and that it was an idea that she had formulated and presented to the medical community as a theory to be adopted. Judge Wilomowski explained that for her to claim Corey was the victim of child torture, she had to prove her theory was an accepted formal medical definition. Knox testified that she had submitted it for review, but it hasn't been adopted by the medical community, and the 3rd District found the testimony shouldn't have been admitted. The third witness, psychologist Ann Salter, was also given the opportunity to testify in the original trial. When the prosecution pulled her into the case, they asked that she interview Corey. Through her interviews, she diagnosed him with post-traumatic stress disorder. Psychologist Ann Salter stated that her diagnosis was simply based on what Corey had told her and information that he told others who had interviewed him previously. During cross-examination, it was determined by her own admission that Salter did not treat people nor provide therapy. Furthermore, she didn't even review any of Corey's medical records to validate any claims of physical abuse. 
In response, prosecutors argued that Salter could in fact report what Corey told her because the exception to the hearsay rule for statements made for the purpose of medical treatment. According to Court News Ohio, Judge John R. Willemowski was quoted as saying, quote, The shooting was ruled an accident based solely upon Corey's statements to the police despite the contradictory physical evidence. Nine years later, Corey changes the story and indicates for the first time that the shooting was intentional and that he did it because he was forced to do so by hockey. All of the evidence is based upon statements of one person, Corey, end quote. Just before Judith Hockey was to start her new trial, she entered an Alford plea to involuntary manslaughter and child endangerment charges on March 5, 2019. An Alford plea is when a defendant recognizes that the prosecution has enough evidence that if brought to trial, the defendant would likely see a guilty verdict, but they maintain their innocence. With this plea, Judith Hockey was sentenced to 10 years in prison, including time served. Judith Hockey is set to be released from prison this year, 2023, and at the time of this recording, we are just two weeks away from what would be 10 years behind bars. That was the case of Judith Hockey of Defiance County, Ohio. Check out the Patreon page for more on the county as well as bonus content. If you have any additional information or would like to share your thoughts on this case, please reach out to me at ohio88podcast at gmail.com. Special thanks to Kelsey for joining me on the Defiance County Patreon episode. Our music was created by Nico of We Talk of Dreams. Our research for this episode was done by Courtney of the Cult of Domesticity podcast. If you would like to help support the show, there are a number of ways you can do so. You can sign up for Patreon at just a dollar a month, where you will receive extra and ad-free content as well as merch. You can also rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts to ensure that more people can find the show. Lastly, word of mouth is probably the best way. Share the podcast with your family and friends. You can also support the show by checking out our merch store. We have everything from t-shirts to hoodies, notebooks, phone and laptop cases, magnets, mugs, pillows, totes, and more. You can find the link in the show notes as well as on our website at ohio88podcast.com. And until next time, don't cross that county line.